Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Few things are more devastating than a loved one that's gone missing. From Wondery, The Vanished is a podcast where host Marissa Jones tells stories of missing persons that have gone overlooked. She seeks out the real story from friends and family, hoping to help them find their loved ones or at least a sense of peace. Listen to The Vanished podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Detective is brought to you by IDStore.com. If you're a fan of great mysteries and want to tell the world, this is the store for you. ID Store features cool products for you, your family, and friends. From My 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 mugs to detective gear. Visit IDStore.com now and use code DETECTIVE20 to get 20% off your total purchase. ID Store, perfect for all your holiday shopping. And you can do it all from the comfort of your home. IDStore.com Due to the graphic nature of the content, Detective may not be suitable for all audiences. carried a gun, carried a gun in her purse. She's had her life threatened. Uh, one guy called her and said he knew what color the carpet was in the living room. Oh, that was ugly. I had to find him, which I did. But anyway, she's suffered. She has. She's still with me. I don't know why. That's Lieutenant Kenda talking about his wife of 48 years, Kathy. If you're a detective, it's not just a job. It affects your relationships as well. You are on call 24-7. I'm Garnsey Sloan for Investigation Discovery, and this is Detective. True stories from behind the yellow tape. The ones you don't hear on TV. On this episode, Lieutenant Kenda explains what it's like when you're married to the job and married with a family. We're still married. It makes her mad when I introduce her as my first wife, but she is, because she's my only wife. And... uh She's a very understanding, very bright, very educated, smart girl. The hardest part for her, I think, the hardest thing I did to her, she didn't marry me when I was a policeman. I was a college graduate. I was working in a family business, which I hated with a passion, and she hated it too. And what do you want to do? We can't keep doing this. I want to be a policeman. So she was thrust into it. And was thrust into the pain and suffering that went with it. There were a number of occasions when she would be cross-purposed with my work. 
She was a nurse, and she worked in a city hospital for a very, very long time. She was a float nurse, meaning that she worked wherever they needed somebody that day. She's very competent, so they felt comfortable in using her in every capacity, so she'd be where they needed somebody. Somebody called in sick. She would show up to replace them and then drift on. So nobody knew her name. She became that girl. It was kind of ideal for her. Nobody knew who she was. But every once in a while, she'd cross paths with one of my customers who was in there because of me. And she would have to decline caring for them. The worst occasion was that I had been not home for three days. She knew what I was doing was bad, but she didn't know what I was doing. I had a multiple homicide, five dead, awful deal. She knew I was doing that, but she didn't know anything else. I hadn't come home for three days. She goes to work, and here's this guy who's an orderly, like in a, just an orderly assistant in the hospital, he walked up to her, and she's so high. He got about an inch from her nose, and he said, your husband killed my brother last night. Now, she's a smart girl. She can think on her feet. She said, well, I don't know what happened between your brother and my husband, but what I know is that you and I worked together in this hospital for 10 years, and you and I have never had a problem. This doesn't mean we're going to have one now, does it? And he thought about that for a minute, and he said, no. And he walked away. Well, I didn't kill this guy. He killed himself. He was the person responsible for the five murders. And we confronted him in an apartment. He was contained. We're talking to him on the phone. We tell him there's no escape. We'd prefer you come outside. And he shot himself on the phone. And that was this guy's brother. So somehow he construed that to mean that I did that. So there have been times that that's crossed Kathy's path, or I've arrested her co-workers, or she's had to go into somebody's room, realize who they were, read the name, take off her name tag, and cruise back out and say, I can't take this patient, and I can't wear my name tag. Now, there was a, a rule in the hospital that as an employee, you will wear a name tag no matter what. You know, we don't want to have anybody concealed identities in here. She was one of the only ones that could get away without doing it because her name is Kenda. So they let her take it off. And uh, then they'd reassign her to somebody else. So she suffered through all of that. She suffered through all kinds of moments like that. But after 23 years, Mrs. Kenda reached her limit as well. I remember coming home one day soaked in blood, 10 o'clock in the morning. I had blood all over me. Kathy's at the sink. She turns around. She looks at me, drops the dish she has. It explodes on the floor. And I said, it's not my blood. I just came home to change clothes. She says, it's really interesting being married to you. And I said, you know, I guess it probably is. Now, if you'll excuse me, I got to go throw this suit away. I'll be right back. There were lots of moments like that. There was a moment when she wanted to go dancing I'm going to learn how to country dance, and this other nurse and her husband and you and me are going to this bar, and if you have two drinks, the dance lessons are free. And we're doing a Friday night, and by God, you're going with me. So off we go to learn how to dance. I can't walk and chew gum, let alone dance. Anyway, we're at this place. 
Long story short, I meet the wife, I meet the husband, the wife tells me they're having trouble with their teenage daughter, who is a stepdaughter to the new husband, who is 17 years younger than she is, the wife. And I look at the husband, and I say, so, you're having trouble with your stepdaughter? Yeah, and he won't look at me, and I thought, oh, you son of a bitch. I grab Kathy by the thigh, and I begin to squeeze to the bone, and I say, Kathy and I have to go now. And I put a business card in front of the mom, and I said, you bring your daughter and you to my office tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Don't be late, and don't make me have to come and find you. And we left. The next day, I arrested the stepdad for multiple counts of sexual assault on a child, and put him in prison for in excess of 20 years. So then it was the joke was, so what are we doing next week? We're going to learn how to tango. That didn't go over well. But those things, it interferes. It does. And you can't avoid it. I mean, I couldn't. Neither could she. Is it her fault? No. Did she suffer from it? Of course. Could I have done something about it? I finally did. I retired. Before that, I really couldn't do anything. She carried a gun. She's had her life threatened. Uh, one guy called her and said he knew what color the carpet was in the living room. Oh, that was ugly. She's still with me. I don't know why. She's uh, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, Irish, and a temper like a chainsaw, and I don't understand her, but I'm working on that. And I love her to death. And I always have. I couldn't be with anybody else. I wouldn't want to be. She has uh, put in her dues, and so have I. That's kind of like our turn now. We're having a great time. We deserve it, she and I. For those moments we have together now that we never had before, that we never could have before, that can dad come? No, dad's working. Dad's always done something. Not anymore. Now I don't do much of anything. Everybody has to be good at something. I'm very good at being returned. I finally found my niche, as they say. I'm good at doing nothing. Lieutenant Kenda tells the story of first meeting his wife, Kathy, at a high school basketball game and the day they got married. I went to a basketball game with a girl. My mother had arranged this date because my mother and this girl's mother were friends. I didn't even like this girl, but deference to my mother. Okay, we'll go to the basketball game. I don't like basketball either, but I thought, what am I doing here? I see this girl sitting in the stands by herself. She's wearing a brown pleated skirt and a white blouse and a brown vest to match the skirt. I remember that as clearly as if it happened this morning. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, who's that? So I leave the arranged date in the front row of the basketball game, and I go up there and talk to Kathy, and I meet her. And she said, aren't you with that girl? I said, well, yeah, but not really. And she laughed, and we talked, and we just chatted, and uh, that was a long time ago. And it's been, uh, we've been married 48 years this year. We've been together since we were 15. I can't imagine it being any other way. And it seems like we've been married like 10 weeks. What? We've been married how long? Oh, come on. Come on. Well, yeah. 
We got married December the 26th, 1967. We tried to get married on Christmas Day, but the church was busy, something about the birth of a baby, and some sort of event was going on. So we got married the day after. Nobody remembers our anniversary except she and I because of that. It's the day after Christmas. you know. That's, so no one knows. There's one woman, a friend of ours, who always sends, and Kathy thinks it's funny, she never forgot. A friend of ours lives in Oklahoma. We get an anniversary card from her every year. Half the time, my kids don't send us one because they don't remember either. But it's okay. So what? I do, and so does she. It's all that matters. But that one friend of hers does remember and always sends a card. We always, we always thought that was funny. Never forgot. Lieutenant Kenda was 23 years old when he married Kathy. I was in school. I was finishing my senior year in college. It was during the break. We had time to go on a honeymoon for I to go back to class. Nobody, her family didn't want to do it before Christmas. And we wanted to get in a honeymoon trip, you know, that my parents wanted to provide us as a gift. So the way the calendar worked out, well, we can't do it beforehand, and we can't we can't go too long after because then I got to go back to school. So the only way it would work is to get married the day after Christmas. So that's what we did. Went to the Virgin Islands, courtesy of my parents, who sent us there, and we had a wonderful time. Kathy learned something that she had never seen or heard of chocolate mousse before. So they offered this as a dessert in this restaurant. And she says, and she's a kid. I mean, she's like 23 years old at 22, you know. So was I. And I said, so, uh, well, I don't know what that is. I said, well, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to order it. Well, I don't know what it is. Well, all right then. Don't have any. So they bring out this wonderful chocolate mousse. And I'm rubbing it in my hair and smearing it on my face. I'm having a good time. But this is so good. Kathy you should have ordered it. From that point on, she's ordered chocolate mousse in every place that's ever had chocolate mousse, ever since. And I still tease her about that. But it was good. She just didn't know what it was. Before Lieutenant Kenda became a police officer in Colorado Springs, he had another job, working in the family business in Pittsburgh. My father had a trucking business where he was a wholesaler of daily newspapers. And we would truck newspapers around to various outlets, newsstands, and what have you. Something he had done since he came home from World War II. And it was a successful business. The hours were horrible. The work was hard. I was never home. I didn't like it. My father was very dialed into money, and I didn't care about money. If I have it, I spend it. If I don't have it, I don't spend it. I just don't care about it. I wanted to do something meaningful, and I didn't think that was dragging around newspapers uh, because it was successful. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. 
<clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Few things are more devastating than a loved one that's gone missing. From Wondery, The Vanished is a podcast where host Marissa Jones tells stories of missing persons that have gone overlooked. She seeks out the real story from friends and family, hoping to help them find their loved ones or at least a sense of peace. Listen to The Vanished podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. So I just didn't like it, and it didn't sit well with Kathy. I wasn't getting along with my parents. They hated Kathy because she married their son. My mother didn't speak to Kathy until she'd been married 30 years. She wanted to see if it was going to last. You know, it was a very strange affair. So we said, you know what? Let's leave the family where they belong in our rearview mirror. And let's go west. And we did. We got to fall in love all over again. And we stopped the... Uh, emotional side of the family and all the other things that go with it. I drove west in a 1970 Buick Skylark that we had purchased from her father. I put a U-Haul trailer on the back, and I put our meager possessions in this U-Haul trailer and attached it to this car, and I drove it 1,600 miles from Pittsburgh to Colorado Springs, Colorado. I saved the money for airline ticket for Kathy and the babies... But at the time, you could bring children for like a very reduced amount of money. And so that was, I thought, the best way for the kids to travel, not to suffer through a three-day journey across the country, dragging a trailer full of junk that we owned. We didn't have uh, very much. We rented a house in Colorado Springs, and I called her. She hadn't left yet. And I said, okay, I've got a place to live. It has enough bedrooms. But here's the deal. We have enough money for a nice sofa and a not-so-nice table or a nice table and a not-so-nice sofa, but not both. So what do you want? I'll take the sofa. Okay, fine. So we had the sofa, and then we had your basic kitchenette sort of table, and, and here we are, the newlyweds with these two little kids, and I'm a policeman qualified for federal food stamps, given my wages at the time. We agonized about money. Agonized. How, do, how are we going to feed everybody? How, how are we going to feed ourselves? It wasn't good. It wasn't good for a long time. Things eventually improved, but not initially. We were, uh, we were in, we had one car. Kathy was marooned when I went to work. She's in a strange place with two little kids. She didn't know anybody. And I'm gone. And I took the car with me. So there she is. She didn't work for the first, first couple of years. And we were out one night. And she said, I have to go potty. And I said, you need a job. You're going to need to take away from these kids. Because now you're starting to sound like one. You know? So we worked that out. And we paid the daycare exorbitant fees. And uh, she went back to work as a nurse. She worked part-time, didn't work full-time. I worked full-time. And we carried on. And we saved our money for college for the kids and so on and so forth. And that all worked out. They're both college graduates. Uh, my son has a master's degree. My daughter has one as well. And uh, 
They are gainfully employed. Since we're talking about marriage, we thought it might be a nice opportunity to hear from Lieutenant Kenda's better half, Mrs. Kathy Kenda. Here she describes their early days together. Well, we were in Pennsylvania. Wasn't going good with his parents. I didn't like it, mainly because he was working all hours of the day and night and not making enough money for us to survive. I'm really good at penny-pinching, and I couldn't make it through the month. I had to borrow money from my parents, and I was embarrassed. We had two kids, and so one night I got—he was out, because when he would— not be home and not working, he'd be out with his friends and I would be stuck there with the two kids. So I mixed myself some vodka and orange juice and then I mixed some more vodka and orange juice and a whole lot more vodka and orange juice. And he came home and I was like, this is not working. I said, you need to find another job. I don't care what. You always said you wanted to be a policeman. I don't care what we do, but this is not working. And that was basically the conversation, only with a few epitaphs and a few other things in it. So the next morning, when I woke up with a hangover, he said, do you remember what you said? And I said, would you like it word for word, or would you just like a synopsis? I said, you have a year to find, start working on finding another job, or I'm out of here. Kids and I are gone. And he said, you're serious, aren't you? And I said, I am very serious. So he applied in our hometown, he applied in Ohio, and he applied in Colorado Springs because his grandparents lived in Colorado Springs and they always used to go out there in the summer. So he got jobs all three places and he said, I wanna go west. I said, okay. He's always wanted to be a police officer. He didn't tell you his uncle worked on the state patrol and he always looked up to his uncle Dan. That's why he wanted to be a policeman. That's one of the reasons he wanted to be a policeman. So we went to Colorado Springs. My parents were furious because I took their grandbabies away. And I said, well, you can either have a very happy lady living in Colorado Springs with two grandkids that's married or a very unhappy divorcee living with you with two of your grandkids. And my dad said, goodbye. See you you when we see you. And so we moved to Colorado Springs. And that's how it all started. Then he got on the police department. I didn't have a job at first. My daughter was a year and a half. She was still in diapers. And my son was 20 months older than that. So they were they were young when we moved out there. She was still in a crib, and he was in you know one of those little junior beds and stuff. And uh, and off we were in Colorado. I didn't know a soul, and I was stuck at home with two kids. I had always had a car because my dad had a car dealership, and I always had a car. And now I didn't have a car, and I was really stuck. And I thought. And I was really homesick, and I thought, you can't say anything because you're the one that said we got to get out and go to Colorado Springs, and here I am, and I and I don't know anybody, and I'm stuck here with these two little kids, and they're. Dr- I am not a stay-at-home mom. I am not a 24-hour stay-at-home mom. So I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to go find a job. I said, I'm going to find a job. There are 300 policemen here. You can get a ride to work. I'm going to need the car on the days that I'm working. I will find a competent babysitter, and I don't care if I don't make a dime, but I have got to get out of here. And I did, so I went back to work part-time. 
being married to him, being married to the job, it was very typical police, you know, he worked shifts, had to keep the kids quiet. Well, at first, the shifts were 10 days on and four days off, and they rotated shifts. Days, swings, and mids, just like nurses do. So when he was on midnight, I had to keep the kids quiet during the day. And when he was on swing shift, they weren't there, you know, so we had good stuff to eat when he was on swing shift, everything kids like. And when he was on day shift, then we, you know, I cooked and we had regular meals. So it was just like a routine. Everybody's into that. Lots of people are, you know, police and fire, nurses, all kinds of people like that. So that wasn't abnormal, really, you know. And we didn't have any money, so we would have we had friends, we'd go over to their house, we'd play cards. He hates to play cards, but it was the only thing we could afford to do. So the kids played together and we played cards. We go to a movie every once in a while. We very seldom went out. You know, it was just basically everyday life for the longest time. So and then when he got into homicide, um it kind of changed. Because I could never be sure that he would be home when I thought he was going to be home. His career, I knew what he was doing. He was working to get in homicide all the time. So he moved from a B-cop to a property detective to a homicide detective. My jobs really didn't change. I worked three days a week. I had a babysitter. Kids went to the babysitter, you know, three days a week, and the other days I was home. So after he got off shift, you know, and went into uh, homicide and went into property detective, then he worked day shift. When he was a property detective, he worked day shift and he was home at nights because they didn't work, they didn't do overtime. When he became a homicide detective, then he worked day shift, and anytime there was a homicide, they call him out and he was gone. So I always had a babysitter, whether he was home and in bed sleeping or whether he was gone or whether I thought he was going to be home, I never relied on him. I had a babysitter for the kids all the time when I was working. And, you know, it just progressed on. We were, you know, he worked, I worked. Sometimes we didn't see each other for a while, didn't have cell phones back then. So the refrigerator got magnets that had notes on it. We'd write each other notes. You know, I'm here. Where are you? Well, I'm going to be here. I might be home. You know, or he'd call home and he'd say, oh, we just got a homicide. I'm coming home for dinner. Okay, don't come home for dinner. Goodbye. I'll see you when I see you. You know, he'd he'd show up. You know, he'd come in at all hours of the night and day. I learned to sleep very soundly. The only thing that ever woke me up was the kids. Because if I waited for him and I was, uh, I would have never gotten any sleep, you know. I'd be walking out of the door with the kids to go to the babysitter and he'd be walking in the door to go lay down for a couple hours. Oh, you need you need a shirt iron tough. Iron it yourself, you know. I hated to iron. <laughs> he had all these dress shirts. There was one green one. When the green shirt came out, I knew that he was down to his last shirt. I needed to iron. <laughs> so I would stand there that whole night and iron shirts. And I was just, it's just very typical, just what everybody else did for, you know, when people, people work and you babysit and somebody works night shift, you know, because you don't want the kids to be babysat. 
it was all just, I thought it was just typical, really. You can't live your life being constantly worried about your husband is going to get killed. It's just like now, the the girls in the mil, husbands in the military over in Afghanistan. You live, you continue with your life. The kids go to school. You go to work. You fix the plumbing. You do all this stuff. You can't. That's not on your mind twenty four hours a day. It's sometimes you know when you're sitting there and the kids are in bed and you're having a glass of wine. You think, oh God. I hope he's okay. You know, it would hit you sometimes or you would have this premonition or something like that. But you just can't, you can't live your life like that 24 hours a day. You can't think about that 24 hours a day because it would drive you crazy and you'd get a divorce. So I, I didn't think about it. Life goes on. You just take the life as it comes. Detective is produced by Investigation Discovery with special thanks to Kevin Bennett, Amy Angelowitz, and Emily Kaiser. Many thanks to the best audio engineer in the business, the mighty Joe Powers. Original music was composed by the talented Chris Kennedy. Cover art was designed by Anand Galat. Sign up now at iTunes to get Detective on your feed. And join me, Garnsey Sloan, next week for the season finale. Next time on Detective. I said, you know, Kenda, I said, I am not waiting for you to come home anymore. I said, you are now a lieutenant. I said, you send the sergeants and the patrol people out to get these murders. I said, you don't have to go anymore. And I don't want you to go anymore. And I can't wait for you to come home. I said, you should have called me. And I'm, I am talking a hundred miles an hour and I am crying. He's like, oh crap, I really blew it this time. And I said, that's it, I'm done. Either you send the sergeants and the patrol out to get these people, or you retire. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Nickelodeon was kid everything, but that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set, an ID true crime event, Sunday, March 17th at 9, on ID and stream on Max.